This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving nonstop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. I am Mike Casaza here to talk some college basketball today with Chris Anderson. Chris, West Virginia, Baylor. Ninth place team in the preseason bowl. First place team in the preseason bowl. Both in the top 25 as recently as two weeks ago. One of them is going to be 0-4 come Thursday morning. Can you believe this? I have a hard time believing it. And what I have an even harder time believing is that, of course, at least one of these teams is going to be 0-4. But they might not be the only team in the league that's (laughs) 0-4. Because Texas Tech 0-3 right now uh, with a chance to go 0-4 as well this week. Is it just as simple as shoulder shrug, Big 12, or Texas Tech, West Virginia, Baylor, and even some teams that maybe aren't as hot but are are not O-and? Are they, are they to blame for some of this as well? I don't think, any, I don't think Texas Tech or Baylor are, are as good as they were last year which, again, that's going to be difficult because both were very good. Um, West Virginia might be better, might be the same. You and I will discuss that, I guess, here in a minute. But, yeah, I think for the most part, this is three decent teams, decent to good teams, that are playing in by far the toughest conference in the entire country, and they all three missed opportunities. Like, you go and look at each one, I mean – West Virginia could very easily, I mean, Kansas was not like Kansas kind of dominated that game almost from the start. I mean, when they make six of their first seven three-point attempts, they jumped out quickly. But West Virginia could be easily be two and one in conference play. Um, Texas Tech could be three and oh in conference play. I mean, they all three of their games are close. And a couple of them, they had the lead in the last minute. And Baylor, they got beat up pretty good by Iowa State names, but they lost both of their games against TCU and Kansas State, I believe, in the final seconds. In the final minute, one of, Kansas State went to overtime. So, again, they could be – they're as close to 2-1 and one as West Virginia is close to 2-1. and one. But they're – and Texas Tech could be 3-0, and oh, and they're all 0-3. Oh I was looking at this the other day. Um, Texas Tech had a 29-game home winning streak. They lost their first two at home. Um, that's one reason they're 0-3. West Virginia, it's been 98 weeks since they won a Big 12 road game. 98 weeks. Um, they are 0-2, obviously. However, Big 12 road teams to the first three games were 10-5 and on the road. 
that's pretty good work. So I'm not sure how great home court advantage is, uh, much as I don't know how much you're expected to win in the road. But I do think sweep your home game, split in the road, that may be kind of antiquated or at least not applicable here. Average margin of victory is about six points. And I counted four games with a double-digit margin, seven games that were one-shot margins. It's wild. So it's pretty closely cropped. Um, if I told you that Kansas would be at the top, you'd probably say, yeah. If I told you that Iowa State and Kansas State would be up there, you'd probably say, I will take your money, Mike. But that's where we are right now. Anyways, West Virginia is our topic here, and they do fall into some of the the stats that we just mentioned there because average margin, they suffered six and seven point losses to start, one in overtime. There's been a few good overtime games already. They also have one of the double-digit losses, too. Only four, they have one of them. First two games decided by 13 points. The third decided by 14 points. They are 0-2. That's two of the five initial Big 12 road losses there. They're 0-3 overall because they lost at home against a team that hadn't played great in Morgantown of the years, but played great in stretches, especially early Saturday. And then now you get a Baylor team that going to be desperate, hasn't been great in Morgantown. I, I think that the Jalen Bridges thing is going to be an emotional component for the Bears more so than the Mountaineers. I don't know who that favors. Um, I also don't know that you can have a must win in early January, but I don't know how West Virginia goes where it wants to go this year if it doesn't win this game, unless it's capable of doing it the hard way, and I'm not confident that that's the case either. Yeah, I mean, they're already in a spot where, and and listen to what I'm saying out loud, they have to go, they have to play above 500 ball the rest of the way just to finish 8 and 10 in Big 12 play. And I think that was... Before the season, I believe that's where we put like the minimum just because we knew that, you know, getting in to the NCAA, as far as getting into the NCAA tournament as an at-large, this was going to be such a tough league. And this was going to be an opportunity where you could still get in the NCAA tournament if you finish under 500 in the Big 12. But 7-11, that might be a stretch to get into the tournament depending on who you win, who, who you, how you finish, who you beat, all that stuff, and how things go with that Auburn game in the middle there. But you might have to go – like West Virginia might have to finish 8-7 and seven the rest of the way, or 8-8, eight and eight, I guess, with Auburn, or 9-7. and seven. Is it that dire of a situation already? Yeah, I mean, yeah. And by the way, <laughs> Auburn's in there too. Yeah. So that's tough. You're looking at maybe having to win some games in Kansas City, and we, we know how tough the league is. I think the greater concern is holding things together. And then can they can they keep this from from wobbling? That has not been the program's strength the last couple of years. And the coaching staff is, has had some significant losing streaks when things have gone sideways. They have not been able to get it back on the road and, and right of center. Um, that's that's going to be a challenge here because the schedule does not relent. It's just not going to do that. There is no bottom of the Big East that can get you right and get you feeling good again. Like I'm looking at, all right, they get through Kansas Baylor. That's cool. They got Oklahoma next, and Oklahoma has had a very good win Saturday to snap their 0-2 start with a win at Texas Tech. So teams are capable of getting themselves out of trouble here is West Virginia. And right now the answer is no because we've seen the way they handled their first two road games and the way they handled the adverse moments against Kansas. 
And the personnel right now just really makes you wonder a little bit, too. Um, Bob Huggins says that Emmett Matthews not been himself since he got injured. That's about four weeks ago. Jimmy Bell, not sure what happened there with him, but he left the game, and that's not a guy who complains and, and quits on you. And we'll see where he is at. Kedrian Johnson concussion. Not sure what you have with Kobe Johnson. Not sure what you have in larger dose with Seth Wilson. And I'm trying to think, am I forgetting someone? Else? Oh, Eric Stevenson. Let's begin where I ended, Chris. Um, it, it's been a wild ride for him. Perhaps literally, this is a guy who could not get home for Christmas, ended up getting stuck in Chicago and having to come back to Morgantown to do his Christmas. And just things have not gone right for him since. I'm glad you went here because I, I had a like three questions, maybe four that I wanted to true or false you on. I want you to give me a true or false answer. Um, the first, absent Jose Perez, does West Virginia's season go as Eric Stevenson goes? Right now, yeah. I, I think you might want to course correct, though. But yes, true. Now, well, explain your course correct, Michael. Um, he's going to be on the floor a lot, and teams are are. It seems to me making him do something apart from shoot it, and they're making him guard. And Candace did not do this, but I wonder if teams will step on his toes and, and elbow him in the ribs and try to get something out of him and see if he can keep it in. It's just natural for when a player has a a, a reputation. I, I hate that word. Sorry, but like. Listen, there's an Eric Stevenson story right now, right? When someone has that, especially when you go on the road, I think teams and people and crowds are going to test you. And I wonder what's going to happen there. And let's see if Saturday was coincidental. Pretty good defenders in that Kansas team chasing him around. And pretty good offensive players making him work on defense. And it had nothing to do with what happened before that. I don't know. Was it a coincidence or was it an extension of what happened to him in Manhattan and more specifically in Stillwater. Don't know. We'll see. But I think that you maybe are better off building a lot of stuff around Trey Mitchell, maybe Emmett Matthews, and using your your steadier, less emotional, but still very competent offensive players. I'm with you. I think if if you're your rock, your foundation, the guy you are sending your team around, I don't I don't know if you can have it as volatile. As Stevenson is, I think, as far as his emotions and his play, like, you know, it's been a little bit up and down. But I think with this last game, as you know, hey, Kansas, pretty long, athletic, great defense. Um, and I don't think I don't think Stevenson's bad on offense. I mean, this is like the people who are like, hey, are we going to fire Jordan Leslie? Like Jordan Leslie and the West Virginia football defense is the only reason. West Virginia was like a 500-ish team for the first three years of Neil Brown's time here. Yes, they were bad in 2022, but I'm taking the first three years over the last year and thinking that Jordan Leslie knows what he's doing. Um, same thing uh, goes for Stevenson here. Prior to that game against Kansas, he was shooting 50% from the field, 43-ish percent from three-point range. He was the team's leading scorer, and the reason – he was he he was a quote problem was because he wasn't on the floor more he was so important and so good that he needed to be on the floor more i mean it was just that oklahoma state game where 
you know, he obviously got in some trouble because of the technical and getting fouling out of the game and being so caught up in those, those, uh, the, the refing and everything, but he had 17 points in that game. He made three threes in 90 seconds to bring West Virginia back into that game and give them the lead at one point. Um, so I'm by, I'm buying the dip here, if you will, Mike, I, I, I think that he's bottomed out here, you know, two emotional foul filled games followed by probably his worst shooting performance since his time at South Carolina. And I think he'll be able to turn it around, but I still think long-term I'm with you. I'm, I'm not sure you want to hitch your entire wagon. I mean, you want him as one of your leaders. You need that emotion, but I don't think you can hitch your entire game, your entire team, your entire offense to one player like that. That said, though, he is the one person who's most willing to grab the offense by the by the neck and go, right? Scruff of the neck, I should say, and go. Um, Matthew's kind of deferential. Trey Mitchell, he can. I think sometimes he's maybe not as assertive as, as Stevenson just naturally is. I don't know who else apart from this you really want carrying your offense right now, too. Um, we'll see. It, listen, that could have been just the worst combination of factors is that a very public, I would say, embarrassing scene for him comes back. He apologizes. Um, I would hope that he wasn't happy about having to apologize because that means he's competitive and he hates that he's in that situation. Not that he hates apologizing, but he hates that he did it and then he has to bring light to it so many days later. And then, oh, by the way, you get Kansas. That's tough. Like if that's if that's Oklahoma, if that's I was going to say the worst team in the Big 12, but mm. Um, that could be West Virginia. But if that's a lesser opponent out there than Kansas, perhaps things are different, but a whole lot on the line for him there too. What did you see Saturday? Because I saw somebody who, listen, he did not shrink. He took a lot of shots and he took difficult shots. I don't think that he decided he was going to just take the day off and let this blow over. I'm not sure that he really tried to let the game come to him though either. Maybe he wanted things to change or that he had business changing him that day too. I'm with you 100%. I think he he saw an opportunity to change the narrative about what's happening around him and this team right now by shooting his way out of it, that he could go out there and score 30 points and help West Virginia beat Kansas, and that would be the end of all conversations about you know the previous two games. And I think he put a lot of that pressure on himself and forced a lot of shots and forced a lot of offense. I mean, you saw – a couple times during the game where there was one player in particular, he uh, can't remember if it was a steal or, or a, a, a breakout after an offensive rebound, but he got down the court and it was one on two. And there was a trailer coming on the wing for a three, but Stevenson had his head down and was going one on two and just completely lost control, had the ball stripped and Kansas going the other way. Um, it, it was plays like that where he was just forcing it. And, and granted, he is a guy that loves to pull up and shoot threes on, on fast breaks. He's a guy that likes to take shots early in the, the shot clock, and he's found success with that. But I think he was pushing himself a little too hard to try to change the narrative around him and this team and what's happened the last week by kind of forcing his offensive game on Saturday. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Kansas switches a ton on the on their defensive assignments. And, man, he got caught up with, like, Adams sometimes, Wilson sometimes, big guys that, that are, are strong and long um, and hard, hard shots he was taking. You know, fadeaways, contested stuff, different parts of the shot clock there, too shots he's made so i don't want to say bad shots because he's made them before and i think he practices all those shots but he was in some different situations too where you know fading or twisting or or sliding where just to get away from some of the defensive pressure the defensive length that maybe a pass is a better idea but the funny thing is if one or two of those shots go in earlier in the game perhaps a whole different story got to the free throw line a little bit and seemed like he was going to get it going he made back-to-back baskets at one point and still ended up what four of 19 i think he was two for 16 at one point ends up four of 19 and then, you know, curious to me, after the game, Huggins says, you know, I don't know. I don't know what he was going through. And then I think he said he was kind of happy to see a guy shoot and shoot and try to shoot his way out of it. And then later said that if you were four for 19, would you keep shooting? So I think confusing and discouraging and maybe disappointing all around for everybody there, too. But certainly somebody they got to get right. And he's going to find some Baylor defenders who are going to make that very difficult for him, too. Again, that's a pretty good defensive team they're about to play. Not that Kansas wasn't or isn't, but... It just doesn't change here in the Big 12. Speaking of changes, Chris, you covered this in the post game. It's been speculated about for, for some time since Saturday and since Bob Huggins' post game, but rotation changes, maybe starting lineup changes. They could have Kedrian Johnson back. I think it's encouraging to look at the concussion protocol timeline that he's out shooting jumpers after the game. That means he's allowed to do that physically. So, Saturday, excuse me, Monday to Saturday, that's a long time in concussion protocol picks up the concussion against Oklahoma State on a Monday, doesn't play Saturday, armchair uh, neuroscience here, Chris. He could be ready to go by Wednesday. That would help. Probably start him. I'm not sure he changed the starting lineup, but do you shorten the rotations? Do you do something to shake this up apart from saying, this isn't going to be like last year because we don't want it to be like last year? That doesn't seem like it's proactive enough. I... Yeah, I was going to say, I think the question came from Jay Jacobs on his post-game radio show, asked him about shortening the rotation, and Bob Huggins' exact quote was, no doubt that, is got, that has got to happen. Can I stop you there? Yes. Was that after Saturday's game, or was that after some number of games before the, this one? It, it uh, just feels like that's a yeah. hand response, right? Oh, I was like, oh, crap, did I screw up? No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, no you're right. You're right. And And – Hey, I'm I'm let, let's address this now because this is something else I was going to ask about. The previous game, Pat Sumnick comes in, provides all the spark in the world, is your quote unquote small center who is getting offensive rebounds, 
bringing energy, changing the game a little bit in that Oklahoma State game. Afterwards, Bob Huggins raves about him, says he wishes other players were had his energy and his fight. And then you come to Kansas, where West Virginia goes small, is getting out-rebounded, and needs new energy. And Pat Sumnick comes in for 40 seconds in the second half and immediately gets benched right after that. For James Oconquo, who I think Huggins called a timeout to pull him out. If not, he was jumping up and down, smacking himself in the head, being like, why did Oconquo just do that? And they put Oconquo back in, too. So, don't know. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Like, we've heard yeah. things. We've seen these performances that make you think there's going to be changes coming. Do they do it? I think we both think it's a good idea. How do they do it, though? Like, do they who do they who do they leave out for a team that has prided itself on incorporating so many people and who do they play and and how how do they shake this up i, I don't i honestly don't know cuz i think that was that was kind of where i was going with this was hey yeah maybe you can make a move like that i mean if you need energy and you need rebounding and you're thinking about going small cuz i mean you see you saw kansas do it and i'm not west virginia does not have the athletes that kansas does let's put that just no. plain as day but kansas doesn't have a 610 guy out there they don't have a Jimmy Bell type. They don't have a Wagi type. They are just, hey, we're going to put out a bunch of guys that are between 6'6 and 6'8, and that combined length is going to handle things on the, on the glass. It's going to cause issues on defense, and we're going to go for it. If we And we talked in the preseason about you know small lineups with Trey Mitchell as a quote-unquote center. Like, What about a Trey Mitchell and Pat Sumnick kind of front, uh, front court? Could that work? Can you get the rebounding you need out of those guys? I think the answer is yes, and I think that can work in some matchups. I just don't know what you do. I think, first off, you need an answer at point guard. Um, It's been inconsistent, to say the least, at least offensively, um, because the one guy on your team, there's two guys on this team, who will take control, will take the, you know, take it and say, all right, I'm going to handle it and I'm going to score. And that's Stevenson, who we saw had a rough game last game and has had some foul trouble. The other is Toussaint, who at times gets a little too focused on, on driving to the basket and going with those pick and rolls. They don't have a point guard that that's kind of finding the right mix right now uh, of attacking and distributing because guys like Trey Mitchell and Emmett Matthews, who you noted earlier, were maybe the two two guys you want to see a little more from, but they're not going to create, like they can create their own after you give them the ball in the correct spot. And right now, West Virginia doesn't have the guy to give them the ball in the correct spot. And that's a problem. So I I think you have issues. I feel like West Virginia is good on the wings. You're feeling good two, three, four, and you're trying to figure out what to do at five because each one of these pieces, Bell, Wagi, um, a Conquo, even if you go with Sumnick as the as the five, they're all good at one thing, but have a lot of flaws. And the same thing goes for point guards. They're good at, you know, Keity Johnson, great on-ball defender, a lot of issues elsewhere. Joe Toussaint, pretty good, you know, pretty good in some areas, but issues elsewhere. And I think they have to try to figure that out. Like I think there's just too many flaws at the one and the five for West Virginia right now, and there's no answers on the roster until next week question mark who knows (laughs) 
I mean, they could certainly use a big guard right now who can level out some minutes and maybe give you something off the bench. I mean, the first time he checks in, that's going to be a jolt of energy. And you hope for him and for West Virginia, it's on the road. Or it's on the, it's at home instead of on the road. We're talking about Jose Perez, of course. Don't know. You, by the time that you hear this, maybe something has happened. We'll see. But I think what's what, what gets my attention, Chris, is, you know, I bought – I bought the stock in the off season where they had a plan. They were executing it. And I just like the plan. I don't know what the result is, but I'm buying the plan. It's like a house, you know, you're buying the blueprint. Then you got to see them build the house. Let's see what happens. So I bought the blueprint. I really thought that they were putting a roster together that would kind of let them avoid being boxed into a corner. I put this many ways before, but basically prevent mismatches, create your own. You know, Jimmy Bell didn't seem like a guy who might be useful apart from two games against TCU and Eddie Lampkin. You know, something like that. Look how wrong we were there. But he's different than um, Wagi. You have um, just different combinations you can do with two point guards, three guards, two guards, three forwards, big, small, anything like that. And now we're talking about, well, actually, maybe that's not in your best interest. Maybe you should trim from, you know, the situation where you have more players and scholarships to something a little bit less than that eight or nine people so if you start your five you come off the bench so you start Keydrian Johnson Eric Stevenson Trey Mitchells Emmett Matthews Jimmy Bell and then you pop off the bench in some order with Joe Toussaint I mean geez Chris where are we going now I guess <laughs> Oconquo Seth Wilson and I, listen here's the Kobe Johnson thing that makes this difficult here's a guy that I mean not long ago I was kind of saying wow he's he was a man without an island now he's on the island, and now I just don't know. Like, when you set a guy for an entire halves of games, and when his on-off numbers are such as they are, you really wonder about what he's giving you offensively and especially defensively, too. So I'm not sure I'd have him in right now until he proves that he can do it. So your three off the bench, maybe, are Oconquo, who he he has the, the conch today for he's going to play more because he had a couple of rebounds last game. We'll see. But that would be in spite of Wagee, who just has not progressed as much as I think that they hoped he had, or at least he had he'd hinted might be possible early in the season. Hard to blame him for that. He's still so young. But maybe on the court in the Big 12 for an 0-3 team is not the place to learn these things. So Okonkwo, Toussaint, Wilson, and maybe sprinkle in some Kobe Johnson, some Sumnick, um, some Wagee. We'll see. But, I mean, eight with some combination of people for nine. I don't know how you do that. But can they do that and survive and play as hard as they want or with as much pressure as they want on defense. Well, here's the thing, Chris. They don't play they don't play traditionally hard. They do not pressure on defense. And they haven't really rebounded in packs or, or with the ferocity they're they're used to there. So what are you preserving then if you're not expending that energy that you think you're you're preserving? You know, like I just wonder if they need to be so deep and so long, at least to get the message across. And maybe some of the people who are on the outside looking in are like, wait a minute. Why not me? What am I not doing? I want to be part of this. It's fun again. We're winning. And they practice better, play more, and it kind of becomes in a cycle like that. That that might be what they're pinning themselves to right now. If they do pull the trigger on something to shake things up. Yeah, I think the the one thing that immediately came to mind when it was like, how, how do you shake things up? How do you change the rotation? Other than, you know, adding an all-conference point guard that also happens to be 6'5", six, 6'6". Um, it would be to give Seth Wilson some more time. I'm I'm with you. I think he has shown in spurts inability to give a spark. 
he has shown an ability to shoot from deep. I think he's around 40% for the season. Um, he's hit a couple big shots and he can handle the ball. I don't know if I'd go so far as to say he's a traditional point guard, but he is a guy that while he is only, I believe, 6'1", maybe 6'2", he is a guy who is not afraid to get in there and mix it up for rebounds or on defense. So I don't think you're losing that much, even though he is a little shorter than maybe you wish he was. But who's he taking time from, I think, is my thing. Like I, I'm with you on the Kobe Johnson thing. Maybe he takes some of Kobe Johnson's minutes. I think that maybe that's already starting to happen. Um, maybe he fills in a little more if Keity Johnson has to miss another game. Um, but, they, man, no, I'm just – I'm in this situation that as soon as Jose Perez gets cleared, he's playing 30 minutes a game for me. Like, I think that's, that's the situation out there at guard at point guard right now. I hate to inform you that he's not a point guard though. I didn't, I don't care. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, like, he, I mean, he can, I, he I think can I compared it to Jermaine Haley, but that's, it's just, I, I need ball handlers and I need length and I need guys that are doing stuff. And I just think there's not enough good stuff happening from the point guard position right now. So he, he's going to be my, you can call Stevenson my point guard then and move Perez to shooting guard or whatever. But I just, I need ball handlers and I need guys that are going to do things. Uh, what, what's the, what's the message board thing about football players? I don't need Jags, just another guy. I need dudes yeah. and Perez is a dude. So I think that he can do some ball handling. Obviously he gets in the paint, he gets to the foul line, great assist numbers. I think he was point guard by default by, at Manhattan and they found a thing that worked with him in the middle there. I don't know that he would play without Keidre Johnson or Tucson, especially early. I think he'd be with one of them all the time. We'll see. Seth Wilson, I just I wonder, man, is he like um uh, I don't want to slander anybody here, but like like Macklemore. We're like you go to a concert, he's on stage, you're like, oh yeah, that's that guy. He plays that song I really like. And he plays like three songs, you're like, uh, I don't know. What's the rest of this? I don't I don't know his catalog. <laughs> is it is it that good? I don't know. Um he does a couple of things. I don't know how long you want to stay at a Seth Wilson concert. And maybe that's fine for him right now until he evolves. And maybe he does evolve in the floor because as you said, he's earned that playing time, but once he plays his hits, what's the rest of the ticket for, you know? Like he's gonna have to answer that question there too. But I think he's got himself in the conversation. And Perez would would help a lot for sure. And then you just kind of see from from where things go too. But um I think more than anything else, Chris, they just need a good thing to happen. Like put a lot of stock into the Portland tournament, didn't beat Purdue, bounced back, did okay. Really wanted to win that game at Xavier for Huggins, couldn't. Okay. Wanted to go home at Christmas with some momentum. Didn't. Emmett Matthews gets hurt. 0-2 on the road. Kedrian Johnson gets hurt. Lose to Kansas. The Stevenson thing happens. They've just kind of been taking punches for a while, and I feel like if they just get one, well, then that boulder turns over, and I'm not saying it's at the top of the hill and it rolls downhill, but it's easier to move in whatever direction it's going. And, and why not get a win against Baylor? Vindicate a little bit against the Jalen Bridges' return to the Coliseum. We'll see what happens, but... Uh, I just feel like the sooner things change, the better, obviously. But I think that boulder sinks. It becomes harder to move the longer they're in this funk. And that's why you think they have to change it. I would imagine you can't just sit there and go, we'll keep applying the same pressure at the same point, And hopefully it'll turn when the evidence is that that's not the case. Boy, you, you pretty much summed up the message board mentality right now. Okay. Let me um, just need something good. 
to happen. Anything good. Let's go to the take. Are you ready? Go. Going to go to the message board here. The Ask Mike post. Okay. This is a good one. Um, comes from L-G-M-A-K-I-N-E-E-R. I don't know what that one is. Leg, Mackin, ear. We'll see. Log, making ear. Log, yeah. making. Maybe. L-E-G. Leg, making oh. ear. Maybe it's Casey Leg. Don't know. Here's a question, though, Chris. Here's your take. Two minutes whenever you're ready. I've wondered for a long time about Hug's comments about guys not being in the gym enough. How much should guys be expected to be in the gym outside of practice, especially in a season? I don't follow other, I don't follow other programs much, but don't recall hearing other coaches always complaining about guys not doing it on their own. Is it a Hugs thing or something pervasive across college basketball? I don't know if people know this, Chris, but you played the game. Um, I did not play college basketball. I've been around a lot of teams here at West Virginia. I've witnessed a lot of coaches, press conferences from um, media days, after games, before games, outside of West Virginia. It's not unique, especially when a team is down, but this is a button that Huggins presses a bunch. So as I just explained to you there, this is a concern from leg, make, and ear. But how much time should guys be expected to put in the gym outside of practice in the season? And is this a WVU thing? Or is this a college basketball in 2023 thing? I think it is, to answer that last part first, I think it is a Huggins thing, thing, if you will. Uh, each coach is going to have their thing that they're going to fall back on or lean into when it's time to get on their team. And basically just trying to say, hey, you know, looking for effort, looking for all that stuff. You're going to see other coaches say it other ways, um, you know, whether it's uh, you can tell by looking at the way they act on the bench or whatever like that. And you can tell the way they practice. Huggins' thing is to say they're not getting in here on their own um, uh, and putting forth the effort on the free throws or whatever it is. Because in my mind, I because it, it wasn't what, three weeks ago that he was saying, hey, these guys get in the gym a lot. I, I hear that ball bouncing all the time. I don't think, I wouldn't think that they all of a sudden just stopped coming to the gym. Like, you know, I don't think they, th this whole team suddenly switched from, you know, putting in all that extra time and then just stopped. I, I just have a hard time believing that. Maybe they did. I just, but I just have a hard time believing it. Um, as far as how much time, obviously, NCAA limits how much you can have practice and, and win. Um, God, I, it, it, by the way, those, um, those limits, they disappear during Christmas break, during winter break in college. That was the worst time ever. Um, that was a long time because you could just have practice as much as you want, whenever you want, at least that's the way it used to be. Um, maybe they got more limits now, but obviously there are limits on how often you can have organized practices and coaches are always going to want to have you practice more. They're always going to want you to have uh rooting more um so i would in a game like basketball it's all about repetition and it's all about playing together and the more you do that and the more you shoot and the more you try and the more you play together the better you're going to be so i think if you're a coach in basketball you want them playing all the time you know 100 hours a week if you could 100 hours a week we've been looking for a solution the entire time and you stayed there for the finish there you go 
Mountaineers, 100 hours a week, and then I believe 15 and 3 is possible. 100 hours a week and also sleep eight hours a day and also go to school and Mm -hmm. get a 4.0 and also, and also, and also. Lift, eat. Yes. Got to get video games or, or Netflix in there too, just to be normal. Yeah. It's a packed schedule. If you think you can do it, try it. See what you can do in 100 hours a week. I'm trying to think of what it was. Was it 20 hours a week? I think we were limited to, and it was like you know that included games, and you all you couldn't go more than five days in a row. Is it kind of like the football rule where you had to have at least two days off a week or something like that? So yeah, let me about let me tell you about how many days in a row I went in college. <laughs> Different sport altogether. My 100 hours a week, unimpeachable. Yep. As is this podcast. Always is. Wednesday, West Virginia. Baylor. Someone's going to be on four. Someone will think they have their season turned around until they run into the next obstacle in the Big 12. We'll find out who. We'll find out how. Until then, I'm Mike Casazza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We will talk to you next time. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.